Welcome to the Bad Taste Crime Cast, a retrospective. I am Vicky. I am Janelle. I don't think we did that our last episode. Well, you said, hey, Vicky, how are you? Okay. Well, I, like, I don't even think we announced ourselves. Yeah. Oh, man. It's you got the one. Bad Taste Crime Cast. <laughs> yes. Remix. We're back. Oh, jeez. So We're sorry. back so for sorry. another week of... <laughs> This bullshit. <laughs> you get you get this. This again. is our lives. Yeah. I definitely feel like I got a little more pep in my step than the last episode. Right. Drink some coffee. Yes. Some breakfast. Just yes. going for it. Yeah. <laughs> definitely a little more pep in my mm-hmm. step. Um. So welcome back, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah. And if this is your first time listening, a special welcome to you. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, God. I always did that. It reminds me of something in Monty Python. There's like. A, a special hello to you. Oh. <laughs> so, Flying Circus, the TV show. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Went a little nerdy on you there. It's okay. That's okay. We are nerds. Murder nerds. <laughs> <laughs> um, today, we are going to talk about the internet. What is it? Where does it come from? Where can you find it? Is it Nobody floating knows. all around us? Is it magic? <laughs> Might be. It is. We'll tell you. <laughs> nah. Not that kind of the show. The murder net. Yes. More like it. The murder net. The dark. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be taking a look at some crimes in the internet age. Mm-hmm. Um, High tech. It definitely... I think the internet... Say tech things. Say tech. Hard drive. <laughs> RAM. RSS feed. Mouse. <laughs> double click. That's, that's CD ROMs? Do we still do floppy disk? Yeah. Yes. All right. What year is this? Um, 1995. <laughs> my idea has just come out. Windows 95. <laughs> Had that for a long time. Oh, God. I need that. You know, we need a real life paperclip guy saying, Can I help you? Right. It Can we just like you're put trying- in like internet noises in here? Like the freaking log on for Windows. It looks like you're trying to record a podcast. Here are some suggestions. Stop. Shut the hell up. introduction of the internet like crimes and like murders and kidnappings and rapes and things like that uh became a lot easier like it's definitely a different Mm -hmm. game when it comes to investigating and trying to find anonymous internet people or commit murder via internet yeah yeah (laughs) also became super easy Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i do have some just like quick Internet statistics from right. the internet. Did you find internet, these internet on section? the internet? Yo, dog, I heard you love the internet. Um, these are from Factual.com. Did you ask Jeeves about this? Ask Jeeves. Bing. Um, that I thought were kind of interesting. They'll put some things in perspective. Right. Uh, so Hit me. One out of ten sex offenders use online dating to meet other people. This is not saying that one out of ten people are sex offenders, but of those that fall under the sex offender I category, it would be higher. Yeah, and that could be an old. Um, these are. I don't know that all of these are like the most up to date, but mm-hmm. you know it's probably pretty close. Um, 
according to the book How to Date in a Post-Dating World by Diane Mapes, uh, in the online dating world, women are afraid of meeting a serial killer, of course, but it's cool because only about 3% of dating men online are psychopaths. Okay, all right. So 3%, that's 3%, not... 3%, that's, I mean, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring those percentages down. <laughs> yeah, right. Just a little bit. Um, in 2005 alone, 25% of rapists use online dating sites to find their victims. Again, that's not to okay. say that 25% of people are rapists, but... 25% of the rapists. Yes. <laughs> Which is a lot. That's that is a lot. But you also, I mean, amount. there are actually quite a considerable amount of rapists. Yeah. So well, and again, that's where, like, that the ease of using the internet comes <laughs> in, because it is, so, especially on online dating sites, um, the, to, to, like, lure anybody, women and men, mm-hmm. in, you know? It's not just women that are getting raped. Yeah. Um... Let's see. More than 53% of Americans fabricate all uh, parts or all of their dating profile details, according to HuffPost. They go on to say most of these are lies their dates can spot in the first few seconds of seeing them. In fact, a third of those surveyed said they falsified their information so much that it prevented them from getting a second date. Well, yeah. Stupid like, people. Putting up a picture that's not you. And you're like, yeah, that was me 10 years ago. Yeah. And it's very clearly not. <laughs> uh, more than 40% of men try to swoon women by lying about their jobs, trying to make their career sound more prestigious. Um, yeah. That actually will come into play a little bit in my story okay. today. Um Let's see. In 2011 alone, the FBI Internet Crime Complaint Center lodged 5,600 complaints from victims of romance scammers with collective losses of over $50 million. So I think that is when you have people online being like, send me money because I'm in love with you. Yeah. Yeah. I can't pay my phone bill. Right. But they also say that number is actually pretty conservative. They think it's way higher because uh, people are too embarrassed Mm -hmm. to come forward and report that. Oh, yeah, totally. Which I would be. You ever watch Catfish? Oh, my God. (laughs) So true. Man, Catfish really is like putting these people on blast. That's what I looked into first because I was like, let me look at like like a catfish related killings Mm -hmm. because that's the shit that's juicy. (laughs) It's oh my god, it's Mm -hmm. so true. Um, Each year, internet predators commit more than 16,000 abductions, 100 murders, and thousands of rapes, according to internetpredatorstatistics.com. So is the internet really doing good in the world? Right. <laughs> is it really like, bringing knowledge to the masses, or more like rape to the masses? Yeah, right? It's definitely <laughs> a double-edged sword. I think, I mean, obviously the internet is a good thing in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's insane information. Things like podcasts, we wouldn't be doing this without the internet, you know. But to get a radio job, I don't think so. Oh my god, (laughs) I was gonna. That was what I was planning on doing in college, and then I realized it's really difficult, and you have to know people, and I don't know anybody. It's even worse now than it was before. Yes. I mean, like this. the we internet. Do our own podcast. Yeah. For the internet free. has ruined radio. Produce our own fucking content and say what we want. So that's yeah. cool. So fuck you. Yes, fuck the man. So I could say fuck it. Don't fuck, try to fuck, keep fuck me down. Yeah. <laughs> so j- that was just some like little quick internet things, thoughts, comments. Yeah. No, I mean, nothing. It, I, 
It's, it's kind of gonna, blow, it blows your mind a little bit. I, think, I mean, I think both of our cases, yeah. the the rapey aspects are coming through. Oh my internet God, dating. Yeah. That's it, why. That's why you meet people in real life, not through the internet. Yeah, I mean, I have definitely gone on my I share of internet dates. Have for never sure. ever went on an internet. Date oh yeah, ever. I, I have gone on a lot. Every of person dates. that I've ever dated or had a relationship yeah. with, it was meeting them friend of a friend or went to school with them yeah. or they're somebody's cousin. Yeah. Never. Well, ever and there's definitely the things that I think about when I You're just old fashioned Vicky. I, I can understand that. that, but man, dating in this age, you cannot afford to be old fashioned. I know. It's like, hard. Yeah. And I, you I, can't marry the guy down the street anymore no, because everyone's I mean, you could, a douche. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like, better. I mean, there's always things that I, will do to keep myself safe if I go on a date with somebody that I met online, which is things like meeting in a public place. Exactly. During as close to the daytime as possible. Mm -hmm. Like, not giving any of my home information away. Like, Mm -hmm. meeting at a midway point. Like, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, like, stuff you can do to keep yourself on the safe side. And that goes for pretty much anything. Like, if you're on Craigslist and you're picking up a couch, like, you need to bring people with you. Do group stuff, like, go to a nice, well-lit public area, mm-hmm. <laughs> drive yourself home. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. Don't let anybody give you a ride home unless mm-hmm. it's, like, your friend. Yeah. Picking you up or so, some shit. So, you know, yeah. we're, all, we t- we're all doom and gloom here, but just be smart. Yeah, don't be stupid about internet, guys. No, I mean, there are some creepers out there, there are some weirdos. Yeah. In a not good, fun way. Men and women. <laughs> yes. Just throwing it. There's People. some crazy women this is our out PSA. there. That are, yeah. Like the internet's Don't be dumb y'all. about the internet. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, should, uh, do you want me to start? Yeah, start. start it, I got kind of a long one. So That's okay. All right. So this one, I. It's. Do holy we need a trigger shit. warning on this one too? Um, might for later. Trigger warning definitely on my story. Okay. Yeah. It gets so graphic. Up. Yeah, I'm content so, may not so be appropriate sorry. for all listeners. I've been getting really graphic lately. I've been it's in okay. a deep, dark hole. <laughs> She's all doom and gloom. I'm doom and gloom forever. Yes. Um, this is going to be a roller coaster. Holy shit. I don't like shit. roller coasters, Vicky. Like, I started, this was one of those cases that I looked into and I was like, oh, this seems really interesting. And then I was like, when you oh put, my god, oh my god, when you put oh my god. Up, I was very intrigued. And yeah. I was like, her. Because I had not heard of this uh, person before. So his name is John Edward Robinson. And like, like I said, I had not heard of him before. Um, he... <laughs> He, well, first let me start off by saying three names. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's often referred to as the internet's first serial killer. Okay. I'm intrigued. Um, Also, well, I'll get to the other one. I'm not going to spoil it, but he's known as the internet's first serial killer. Okay. So, uh, John was born in Cicero, Illinois in 1943 to a dad who was an alcoholic and a mother who was a disciplinarian. Typical Illinois family. Right. <laughs> um, and honestly, like, from what I could tell, he had a pretty normal childhood. It wasn't, like, any uh, crazy abuse or, you know, weird I'm sure things there were spankings. Yeah. But 
I got spanked it was when that I time was a period, kid, too. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, you go get the switch, and I'm going to hit you with it. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad that didn't happen. Yeah, no. It was like a belt or a spoon. Yeah, right. um, other than he went to Quigley Preparatory Seminary in Chicago, um, and he eventually dropped out after attending only for a year for disciplinary issues, but... Um, there's really not a whole lot that goes on in his early life that's super important either. So mm-hmm. um, when he was 17, John enrolled at Morton Junior College to become a medical x-ray tech, but he left after only two years without getting a degree. Um, I'm honestly not sure of many junior colleges that you can't get a degree in two years, which yeah. I also find I weird. Mean, but then again, it took me like four years to go through college and I ended up getting an associate. So there's that. Yeah. There are those lifetimers, you know, that are just going to be in college forever. Yeah. Like (laughs) mine took like six fucking years, so I can't really say anything. I switching and switching schools and just changing my mind. I got a degree, but it took me a while. Yeah. Um, So in 1964, John moved to Kansas City and he married a woman named Nancy Jo Lynch. And the two of them had three children. I think it might actually be four total because there was a set of like fraternal twins in there. Not super important. Um, but he seemed like the pretty average dad type. He was a baseball coach and a scoutmaster and a Sunday school teacher. I was reading Getting this and Casey I thought... territory. I was like... BTK territory. It sounds like John Wayne Casey. <laughs> like, he's just this upstanding member of, of society. BTK was a scoutmaster, too. Oh yeah. My God. It's <laughs> that front you gotta put on for... Yeah. Um, so John eventually lands his first job in the medical field, having not finished school, mind you, mm. like without a degree, okay. uh, just before his wife gave birth to their first child. He was hired at Children's Mercy and General Hospital as an x-ray tech. Um, while he was there, he hung fake diplomas and letters of recommendations from the junior college that he had attended but never finished. What year was this again? Um... Let me see. It would have been around 1967, 68 okay, so when he got his first job. Okay, so that was pretty yeah, easy to fucking fake it. Because there's no internet. Oh, you yeah. You can't send transcripts. You'd have to call and shit. Right, so, yeah. yeah and this one is, uh, well, I'll just, <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. Because there's going. like, I was just there's a lot. I was like, wait, yeah. Yeah. you could fake it. <laughs> oh, totally. That was when they didn't, like, check you in security at airports. And, yep. you know, you can, you can just be planes. like, hey, I'm with you the CAA. You could fucking smoke on planes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are the days. Um, so he, they eventually discovered that he had no clue what he was doing on the job <laughs> and fired him. Were you blind this entire time you were training? <laughs> yeah, they were just like, oh, apparently you have no idea how any of this works, and they fired him, <laughs> and that was that. Um, but this is actually going to be the first in a huge string of, like, frauds and everything before shit really kicks off. I oh, mean, God. like, there's a lot of, like, fraud and just, like, crazy stuff before the crazy stuff. Yeah. So, uh, in 1969, John is arrested for the first time in Kansas City. He had gotten a job with another doctor at the medical practice of Dr. Wallace Graham. There, he embezzled $33,000. And I always have to put that into perspective a little bit. I could pay re- my remaining student loan debt four times with that amount of money. Like, I'm just like, uh, 
$33,000. Yeah. That is my amount of student Yeah. Loan that's what I'm like. I always, I feel like when I have these large amounts of money, I got to put them into perspective by how much student loan debt I have. Thanks, college. I mean, fuck that. Yeah. Um, he again had used these fake credentials to get employment, which really was not helpful in this situation because of the embezzlement. Right. Um, for all of that, he was sentenced to three years probation. But wait, there's more. Yeah. Uh, One year later, John violates this probation and he moves from Kansas City back to Chicago without informing or getting permission from his probation officer, which, as we all know, is like a huge no-no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He took a job with R.B. Jones Company as an insurance salesman. But he would be arrested in 1971 for embezzlement again, this time for $5,586, which doesn't seem like a lot compared to the 33 he embezzled. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was ordered to return to Kansas City, and just to kick him while he's down, they extended his probation. Because, you know. Uh, John and his family move into a new place in Missouri, uh, which I'm assuming he told his PO about because, you know, I don't know. He didn't get he didn't arrested. Get arrested. Yeah, he didn't get arrested. Um, but I swear this guy, like, has to believe that he is the best criminal out there because he decides to start his own medical consulting business. And I, again, I'm just going to point out, he never finished school and he has no credentials and no degrees in no any of this No knowledge stuff of anything. Yeah, so he starts his own medical consulting business called Professional Services Associated Incorporated. Incorporated. Associates Incorporated. Um, this sounds real legit. Yeah. <laughs> this, of course, is a fake company. And used as a ploy to get him even more money, he forges documents in an attempt to get his company status with the government. And he's caught in the act. And in December of 1975, the federal grand jury in, Medi- in Missouri indicts John on four counts, including securities fraud, mail fraud, and falsely misrepresenting his company. He pleads no contest and is fined $2,500 and has his probation extended by another three years. <laughs> They just keep giving him probation. It's like, obviously I know, I'm he's thinking, not learning. If you just keep doing these white-collar crimes, like, where it's just, like, embezzling money and fraud, Who like, cares? they're just going to keep extending your probation until you die. Yeah. Which Pretty is much. Fine. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe, I mean, he was arrested, but, like, he didn't spend any time in jail earlier, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, he does eventually finish his probation, though. <laughs> In 1979. But it's cool, because <laughs> it doesn't it there. <laughs> really last that long. Because in 1980, um, he, John works his way up to employee relation manager at Guy's Food. And while he was there, he has an affair with the secretary, um, who he had convinced to help him embezzle thousands and thousands of dollars by inventing fake employees and cashing their checks. Yeah. Um, Oh my god. So they get caught. Um, Mm -hmm. He gets fired again and he's charged with felony theft, submitting uh, false vouchers and forged checks for which he owed $41,000 in restitution. Yeah. And that's it. That's all with him. No, I'm just kidding. There's more. I'm like, um, Oh, yeah. It's the murder. Yeah, right. (laughs) No, um, just kidding. Yeah. In 1982, uh, John forms another fake medical practice. This time, something to do with. If 
anything he does not lack in he's just, determined like, determination and yeah. gusto. Yeah, he's just like I'm just gonna you know make another one. This one didn't work out. It's cool. I'll yeah. just make another start one. Start over the American dream. You could just start from oh scratch. Yeah. So he makes another one. It's something to do with hydroponics, which I was like. Oh. The only thing that I can think of in the medical field that has to do with hydroponics is medical marijuana, and that's like the yeah, only thing I could think of. Grow stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was something with homeopathy. Who knows? Anyway, he swindles this friend out of twenty five thousand dollars. He like convinced him to invest this twenty five thousand dollars in the company. The don't friend make business and pleasure. Well, what's really Mm-mm. sad is the friend was hoping to take that and turn it around um, as a quick investment. Because his wife was, like, deathly ill, and he needed the money for her medical expenses, Mm -hmm. and he just, like, took the $25,000, and that was that. Yeah. Um, Also, around this time, John decided to switch it up a bit from just fraud and (laughs) embezzling and money crimes. Um, He started propositioning his neighbor's wives for sex. What? (laughs) Yeah. It's going to take a real wild turn here. Mm -hmm. Um, And he joined this secret BDSM society named the International Council of Masters. Okay. So I tried to find out more information about that, but it's kind of hard. Yeah, it's kind of hard to research a secret BDSM society on the internet. Yeah, that out there, and like the stuff that I did find was like Yahoo Answers. You know, totally, (laughs) totally legitimate. I'm like, I, I mean, so for me, it's like, okay, maybe it existed, maybe it doesn't exist. It's a secret. I'm not sure. It's a secret. You need an invitation. Invite I guess I didn't get the invite, you know. Whatever. I didn't want to be invited to your BDSM thing anyway, It's like an eyes wide shut situation. Yeah. (laughs) Creepy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's that. Um, John claimed that he was the slave master of this organization. This is what I read that he yeah. me. I'm like, what? And AKA so slave master. He actually went by the name Slave Master um, oh when we God. get into his <laughs> online exploits. Um, but he did say he was like the slave master of this BDSM. I don't want to call it a cult because I just uh, don't know if it was, but group? this organization. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but allegedly this organization... Um, they would take their victims and they were tortured and raped, allegedly. Um, Getting a little snuffy. Yeah. So <laughs> he went, he, he goes, and it, it could be one of these, like, personality traits that he's always had, but it didn't really, like, show itself until right. he started propos- well, I mean, propositioning your, his neighbor's wives for if sex. If you're constantly trying to embezzle, it's like a, kind of a, self, like, control. Like, yeah. You want to be in control of yeah. this money. And the turnout, so I can right. see that. So, um, Equi Plus and Equi Plus Two. Okay, <laughs> those are the names of two more shell companies that John created in 1994. Oh my God. Um, for those companies, he hired a 19-year-old woman named Paula Godfrey as a sales representative. Um, and Paula had informed her family that she was being sent for training for this new job. Um, here's where it gets murdery. Okay. Just gonna put that out there. Okay. Trigger warning. Thanks for hanging on for this line, guys. I'm about to talk about murder, I swear. I mean, there's tr- there's crime. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, totally. Totally. Still true crime. Oh, I know it. <laughs> well, and that was like, I only knew about this other stuff that I'm about to talk about. I did not realize that he had all of this like embezzling and fraud and like creating all these shell companies like that. That's a, that was crazy. A that was time on his hands. Know. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> well, and when he started, when he was like nineteen, like right, just right off the to, bat, yeah, fresh so. out of it. <laughs> um, so she tells her family. Paula tells her family that she's going um, for training for this new job, and so she goes off to this training with air quotes. Mm-hmm. And after not hearing from her for a while, Paula's family reports her as a missing person to the police. John is, of course, immediately questioned because they said. Right. She's going off on this training for him. Um, but he totally denied her whereabouts when, when they were questioning him. And so shortly and very conveniently after that, uh, Paula's family actually receives a typewritten letter that thanked John for his help and that she wanted to start over somewhere else and she didn't want to see her family and, but she was fine. Um, the letter had, a lot of spelling errors and like inconsistencies <laughs> and stuff, but it had Paula's signature on the bottom hmm. of the letter. So the police terminated the investigation because she was of legal age and they didn't really have any right. evidence of wrongdoing. So mm-hmm. it's like she, she, she sent a letter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just what they thought. Um, so that's kind of when she goes, Paula goes missing. John then, using the fake name John Osborne, meets another 19-year-old woman named Lisa Stacy in Kansas City at a battered women's shelter in 1985. Oh, God. She was there with her four-year-old daughter, Tiffany. Um, but for her, her luck seemed to be turning around because John met her at this battered women's shelter and graciously offered her an apartment, daycare for her daughter and a job in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, But as somebody like I, I can see the appeal for somebody in that situation Mm -hmm. um, who hasn't, you know, I I don't know your situation at a battered women's shelter. It could be anything, but like presumably that she didn't really have anything to take care of her daughter Mm -hmm. um, or her own employment. Like, why would you turn that down? Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't, I wouldn't. So she says yes, but before they leave, he asks that she signs a number of blank sheets of stationery, and she would never be seen again. A few days after this meeting, John gets into contact with his brother and sister-in-law, who they were attempting to adopt a child through, like, the traditional channels, but mm-hmm. they were having a lot of difficulty Um going that route. So he called them and informed them that he knew of a mother who had recently committed suicide. And for a $5,500 fee for a lawyer, and if you didn't guess, the lawyer is fake. Right. It's not a real thing. Um, They would be able to attain this child from this mother that had committed suicide. So they received um, Tiffany Stacy who was the four-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. And they also got authentic-looking adoption papers, because apparently he's really good at forgery. Yeah. Um, And he had forged the signatures of two lawyers and a judge on these adoption papers. Unbelievable. And And these poor people are like, oh, this is all legit. It looks legit. Well, and it's your brother and your, you know, brother-in-law, like... 
why would you not trust him to, you know, they would actually, in 2000, they did a DNA test on the girl, Tiffany, and confirmed that it was her. Um, That's so sad. That's so yeah. sad. I mean, at the same time, I'm like, thank God he didn't hurt the child. Hurt the child, yeah. but like, yeah, it's so sad that she was taken from her mother, who was then... And it's so sad that these people who are looking for a child, who right. are already, you know, broken up about it... Well, I can't imagine. ...are able to adopt one. Right. And now they obviously will not get to keep her. <laughs> well, she would have been... She was four in... What year did I say? 1985. She was four years old. They didn't find out that it wasn't, like, who mm-hmm. he said she was until 2000. Okay, so she would have been an adult. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah. But still, how can you maintain a relationship with people, you know? Like, yeah. I feel like what's reality? <laughs> I don't. I Everything don't I know is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> so two years after that, a 27-year-old woman named Catherine Clampett travels to Wichita Falls, Texas. Um, she leaves her child with her parents, and she was going there hoping to find employment. There she meets John, who, of course... Uh, gives her a job and makes these empty promises of, like, an entirely new wardrobe and a shitload of traveling, like, um, saying he's going to do all of these really nice things for her. Um, but she would disappear in June of 1987, and her case still remains open. She's still an open case. Um, I still kind of find it unbelievable that he has not done any prison time. Really? At this point, for anything. Like, he was put on probation, yeah, had his probation. probation extended. Yeah, like... With the time period, you know. In the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Even before that, I mean... I just... It blows crimes, my mind. Those were laughable. Oh, I It wasn't know. until more recent that you would even be able to go to jail for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just... it. I was... I got to this point, I was thinking about, like, I can't believe he has not done any... Any... Jail time at all. Fucking rapists were getting set free. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, what does that tell you about the justice system at this time? It's fucking shit. But in 1987, that actually would all catch up with him a little bit because he was sent to prison in Kansas City on multiple fraud convictions. Um, And he was there. So he went to Kansas City. He was there until 1991. And then he was transferred to another facility in Missouri to serve time for parole violations. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) So, um... And and additional, yeah, and additional (laughs) fraud charges. So then he went from Kansas City to Missouri, and then he was in Missouri until 1993. So now you're probably wondering, you talked about internet at the beginning of the episode, (laughs) and you've literally not mentioned anything. Where's the internet? Yeah. This is ramping up. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, and this is, so this is why he's the internet's first serial killer, um, I realized that it might have taken a little bit, but, like, this guy was doing a lot of crazy shit before the internet was even a thing. Like, Mm -hmm. before it was kind of what we know today, it wasn't really until, like, 1990 that the internet and, like, the web browser turned into something that we would recognize close to what we use now as our internet Mm -hmm. browser. So, like, I wanted to go through all of that because it definitely played a part in to this guy being so he was in jail from what did i say 1987 to 1993 mm-hmm. so by the time he got out of prison the internet had been around for roughly 3 to 4 years 
Um, but to him, it was like super fucking super new. Brand new, yeah. Um, and it's so, exciting and you can, you know, it's just like a gateway. Right. Exactly. Um, so during the time that he's locked up, John meets this 49 year old woman named Beverly Bonner, who works as a prison librarian at the facility in Missouri. Uh, once he was released, Beverly decided she was going to divorce her husband, and she left to move to Kansas City, where she would take a job with John. Oh my god, yeah. what the fuck, lady? <laughs> Which I'm thinking, he has to be, like, one savvy Smooth motherfucker, talker. because, like, yeah. you're literally convincing somebody who is helping you while you're incarcerated, and then offering a job when you get out, which seems so backwards to me. The audacity and the gravitas. (laughs) What? Yeah. Um, So she would eventually disappear as well, but before she disappeared, John had actually arranged for her alimony checks to be forwarded to him. Stop! And it was, they were being forwarded to him from Beverly's mom, and she would continue to forward them long after her disappearance, almost like she didn't know. Like, my my thinking is, like, she's sending these alimony checks, and because they're getting cash, she's assuming... Everything's good. Yeah. yeah. And he actually would continue to cash them long after her disappearance as well. Like, and she just kept sending them, and he just kept well. cashing them. Yeah. Um, but soon, he would kind of go back into this, like, role as slave master. I still can't believe that. Yeah, um, because he was using this newly discovered internet. Oh, the internet! What yeah, it really provided a community for him to explore this like oh, BDSM yeah. fetish, um, chat rooms, man. and yeah, and to prowl for sexually <laughs> submissive women. Mm-hmm. It made it so easy to just hop online. Um, the first woman he would meet online, her name is Sheila Faith, and she was forty-five years old. She had a 15-year-old daughter named Debbie who suffered from spina bifida and was confined to a wheelchair. So John, again, kind of portrayed himself as this knight in shining armor and offered to pay for Debbie's medical expenses and give Sheila a job. So they ended up moving from Fullerton, California to Kansas City and disappeared soon after that. Um, John going to Kansas City is the moral of the fucking story. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's all these women who kind of, I don't want to say they need something, but, like, they're not, all not... They're in, trying to better themselves. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, having a daughter that has a lot of medical needs, that's expensive, and that takes a lot of care. So, yeah. you know, it's another taking the opportunity. Um, he would <laughs> cash their pension checks for seven years after they disappeared. Oh, my God. Yeah. Aren't they supposed to do regular checkups to make everything is like I don't know. good and legit? He just kept cashing them for seven fucking years. Fucking believable. I know. And I'm like, this has to be how he was getting money too, because there's like these shell companies, they can't be taking in yeah, any money. If no. they even still exist, I don't even think they did at that point, because they would have arrested him out of the fraud yeah. and everything. Um in the BDSM community online, John became this increasingly popular and well-known guy on, like, the chat rooms and the forums. I can't. Yeah. I just can't. So there, he actually met another um, woman, a 21-year-old Polish immigrant named Isabella Lewicka, and he offered her employment and a bondage relationship. (laughs) 
So he, yeah, hey, there's perks. Yeah, right. <laughs> so and well, and that's what she was online looking for too. Um, is my assumption because he was like looking for sexually submissive women. There's communities online, BDSM communities online, where <laughs> you can go and identify as somebody who is uh, dominant mm-hmm. um, and somebody who is submissive and kind of like pair off, and that's fine. I mean. I'm you not, I, yeah, I'm not judging anybody Safely. who's into that. Yeah. Absolutely. If it's between two consenting adults, that's cool. But like, um, I also, again, I just feel like with the internet, it's way easier to trick people. It is too easy to trick people. And especially in the early years of the internet, before anybody realized the potential for stuff like this happening was yeah. there. Now we're a lot more aware of it, honestly, but like. I, it took a while to get there, I think, for people to be aware of being safe online. This is where Chris Hansen comes in and he, you know, Mm -hmm. sets up these things. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's the best. I love to catch a predator. I fucking love Love that show. show. (laughs) Uh, It's the greatest. Um, So she moves from uh, Isabella. She moves from Indiana to Kansas City. When she gets there, John gives her an engagement ring. Um, oh, buddy. And then they go to the county registrar where they buy a marriage license, but they never return to pick it up. Okay. Okay. So I just want to point out, he's still married. Right. So totally can't do that. <laughs> right. And I don't, there was some speculation as to whether Isabella thought that they were actually married, because obviously he didn't inform her that he had a wife and was legally married right. to somebody else. So maybe it was just all show to like... You know, because the other thing um, that he convinced her to do was sign a 115-page slave contract that essentially surrendered complete control of her life over to to him. How is that enjoyable for anyone? And that included her bank account, too. How is that enjoyable for anyone? I could understand in the bedroom, but your entire fucking life... Yeah. Where is the line? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the answer to that question. I'll be honest with you. What? What is hot about not having access to your bank account? <laughs> so hot. I love so not having access that I can to my literally finances. do nothing by myself. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> so um, sh- uh, Isabella would disappear in the summer of 1999, and John would actually tell a web developer that worked for him that she had gotten caught smoking marijuana and was deported back to Poland. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that could kind of be legit. Yeah. But a short time after Isabella's disappearance, Suzette Troughton moved out to Kansas City to be John's next sex slave. They also met online. Um, Do you have a picture of this motherfucker? Yeah. Do oh you my god! See a I want to see him? what he looks like. He... What's the goddamn appeal? <laughs> he looks exactly how you would imagine. <sighs> he looks like the fucking other guy who was the sex slave master, who had that Regina girl. Oh, the um. Are you talking about? Wait. Wait. Whips and chains. Whips and chains. Oh, yeah. Whips and chains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're talking about Regina Walters. Yes. <laughs> um, and his name, yeah. They do I don't look, remember They actually do it's look kind of similar. Yeah. It must be just like a particular type of man 
that is interested in this. See, I would peg him more for like a submissive, not a slave master. Yeah, but isn't it, I always, I always he feel looks like, like it's, he enjoys getting stomped on. It could be, yeah, but the, it's. I, I feel like I see a lot too, where it's like the people who, in their normal lives, are the people that like get walked over all the time. Are the ones that they need the control. Yeah, yeah. that want to be the I controlling factor that. in that. Yeah. Man, what a fucking creeper. (laughs) Oh my god, we need to put that picture up. Um, (laughs) So anyway. (laughs) um, So Suzette Troughton, she moves out to Kansas City, um, but she disappeared also in 1999. And police finally start to link these missing women to... John Edward Robinson. Finally, that they're all like moving out to Kansas City and just God fucking disappearing. Damn it! Yeah, so he would. He actually got arrested in 2000. So I just want to say that I started in like 1964. Yes. He didn't get arrested for any any of this until 2000. I mean, he was very very briefly in jail. Yeah, very <laughs> briefly. Um. And he was arrested after two women filed sexual battery complaints. They went in, and a search of his farm property in Kansas revealed the decaying bodies of two women um, that would eventually be identified as Isabella Lewicka and Suzette Troughton. The bodies they found in two 85-pound chemical drums. Just on his property. Probably gonna fucking dissolve them. Um, They also searched another storage facility that John had rented two garages in, where they found three similar chemical drums that also contained bodies. They would be identified as Beverly Bonner, Sheila, and her daughter, Debbie Faith. Um, All five women were killed in the same manner, using one or two blows to the head, and then put into these barrels. He stood trial for the murders in 2002 in Kansas in what would actually be the longest trial in Kansas state history. I feel like I saw it was like three weeks long, which is actually kind of long because normally it's like they, in like murder cases, I feel like they, it's a day or two for prosecution witnesses, a day or two for defense witnesses. Yeah. Maybe six days Maybe at the I'm most. Maybe I'm just used to, like, TV trials where yeah. it seems like it takes Well, they cut out months. a lot of the yeah. bullshit, too. <laughs> like, all the dead silences. Months, and like right? Yeah. People coughing in the background. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and was he was sentenced to death for the murders of Isabel and Suzette and life imprisonment for the murder of Lisa Stacy because she was murdered before Kansas reinstated the death penalty. Okay. So he couldn't get the death I penalty see. for her murder, but it didn't really matter because he got the death penalty anyway, so it kind of, yeah. like, cancels him out. Um, <laughs> again, he was still married to his wife, and it was at this point that she finally said, fuck it, I had enough, which is, like, they were married for 42 years. Yeah, and they didn't, uh, like, in my research when How I was looking at this... How does she not know this is happening? I mean, obviously she has to... She, well, and she... So he had his trial in 2002. They didn't get divorced until 2005, okay? Lady! Yeah, <laughs> and they... When I was looking at, like, going through my research, they didn't have any... Like, like, like she didn't cite any specific reasons for divorcing him other than, like... not even not even specifically that just like they didn't get along maybe she was also a submissive and just couldn't do it could be (laughs) yeah 
Um, so they got divorced in 2005. John is still sitting on death row um, right now, but in 2015, he had taken his case through the appellate courts, um, and the court upheld his death sentence and rejected dozens of these appellate claims from the original tri- trial. They did throw out one of the two capital murder convictions and a first-degree murder conviction, and it had to do with, um, I forgot to put it in my notes, but it had to do with like technicalities. Okay. Um, things like search warrants and mm. reading rights kind of technicalities stuff. stuff. Yeah. Um, he is still on death row, though. Like He still retained one of those death penalties. Right. Um, so he really was kind of the internet's first serial killer, mm-hmm. um, at least that we're aware of, I'm sure, that, right. that's documented. <laughs> but he seems to be the first one to really use the internet to kind of lure women and uh, murder them. And he was like a pro at it, too, because he yeah, was luring these women from states away. Yeah, like he didn't H. H. get caught for years. Fucking just... He is an H.H. Holmes. Mm -hmm. There's some bodies (laughs) that haven't been found. Mm -hmm. There's some uh, other bodies I think that they have found that they believe he's connected to, but they don't have enough evidence. Um, If you really want to see pictures from the crime scene, they're fucking brutal. They're on the internet. (laughs) Like where they found the barrels? Yeah. Oh my gosh. They were on that that page where... I honestly didn't see anything but his ugly mug. Yeah. I was like, please don't look at this. Because they are... Horrifying! It is. It's absolutely horrifying. Um, yeah, I mean, blunt like, force felt trauma sick isn't to my stomach. You know, well, and it pretty. it shows where they found the barrels and inside the barrels. Like, yeah, it's it's fucking horrifying. And this guy's a monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but I think it's interesting that somebody who he committed so many crimes before the internet. Nut. And it was like Nuts. once um, the internet became a thing, it was like a free for all. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. So <laughs> that was uh, John Edward Robinson. Yay. Yeah. So I also have a John. Whoa. Who is really? Who is the murderer? Yes. <laughs> um. Well, I, I what are the it. chances? I mean. John's, John's an, such an average name. John with an H-N is kind of an asshole name, so, you know. It's true. <laughs> Every John I've known who's spelled his name like that has been an asshole, oh. so. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. There's proof. <laughs> John's. Um, you John's. I'm gonna hit you with, like, an oldie but a goodie, so, like, okay. remember MySpace? It can't be that old, because internet. Yeah. I do remember MySpace. MySpace is what taught me to code a little bit, because you had to, for your own fancy layouts, you had to code some HTML. I was coding all that shit so that, like, I have sparkle stars fall down when you open the page. (laughs) All that top eight drama. Oh, yeah. You know, who's in your top eight? It makes who's a fucking difference. Eight. Yeah. Oh my God. People get so mad if they move down a slot in your top eight. Oh, yeah. Or taken off completely. Yeah. And like, what the fuck, yeah. man? You always had Tom. <laughs> I mean, you always had one friend. Tom. Oh, Tom. <laughs> um, whatever happened to MySpace? I actually logged on to my MySpace after I did research for this, and it's still working. Everything's still there. I totally still have My fancy coding is not there anymore, but that's okay. Um, because, so, <laughs> I decided to do for mine... The MySpace killer, John Gomer. Um, now, there is a little confusion because there is also a my, another girl, 14 year old girl, who claims she's the MySpace killer, but she what? came after him, so I'm gonna say he's the MySpace killer. Oh. <laughs> 
So, um... Wait, she's a 13-year-old girl? She's, like, 13 or 14. She also... She bragged on MySpace that she killed somebody. And she's like, oh, it was, like, this rush of my life, whatever, whatever. She claims she's the MySpace killer as well. But she's not, because he she came after the fact. So... <laughs> What are you even doing right now, Vicky? I'm looking at my MySpace. <laughs> oh my god, stop yourself. I don't even know what this is. This is like the new MySpace I have, but yeah, I just found mine. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I know. It still works. <laughs> Why does it still work? <laughs> I don't know, but this is, it's funny because this is like all the Blender Years pictures. Oh my gosh. And Wani took that one. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> While you were talking about this, Trip I was like, I want to look and see if my MySpace, see, I found it from a Google search of myself. And oh that's, my there God. you go. So, I'm Googling yeah. yourself. It's fine. Blowing up egos over it's here. Anyway, <laughs> that little sidebar. Um, right, sidebar. We love them. Um, so on December 29th of 2005, Josie Phyllis Brown was reported missing after she had left for a date with a man she had met on MySpace, and she did not return home. Okay. So this is probably in the waning years of MySpace. This is, okay. 2005, right? Facebook yeah. was getting real big. MySpace, I was still, see, I'm thinking back, I was still using MySpace Mm -hmm. for the, like, first year, I think, I started using Facebook. So, I would have been, and I was driving still. I know that sounds really weird, but (laughs) I've also met a few guys off of MySpace, so there's that. Yeah, Um, yeah, so 17, maybe 2007 would probably be about, maybe where... It ended to switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. switch to music platform, which I was laughing at. Yeah, um, weird. Nobody uses it. No. When's the last time anyone went on their MySpace? Years. Yeah. Plus, if I'm um, going to use something for music, I'm going to use Bandcamp. Duh. Yeah. There's so many more <laughs> accessible things uh, yeah. than MySpace. Yeah. Anyway, um, so 40 days later, after she was reported missing, so this is February okay. of 2006. Okay. It's just getting into my senior year here. This is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, police found her body. Off of an exit ramp on Interstate 95 near Arbutus, Maryland. Okay. Okay. So this is 40 days after the fact, so she was pretty well decomposed and Uh, gone. Yeah. Police initially questioned Gomer, whose cell phone number had appeared on the December 29th and December 30th call logs of Brown's phone records. And he told investigators that he had dropped her off at her house after their first date. We met on MySpace. Uh. And he had driven back to his campus apartment at the University of Maryland. So police were actually led to Brown's body by John Gomer. Okay. So on... Oh, wait, are you going to tell me? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So he's actually like a biochemistry major at the University of uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and he was charged with first-degree murder and brown slaying, and he was being held without bail. So, what happened was, after she was initially um, reported missing, they had pulled her car logs and found out who the man was that she had went in, on a date with. He had told, yeah, whatever, you know, I just dropped her off, we went on our date, we dropped her off, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, once they started to, like, go deeper into it and look at to her, like, who she was seeing, what was going on. He was obviously number one on the list, and they had done a couple interviews with him, 
And he wound up basically saying, well, you know what? I actually didn't drop her off at her house. changing his story. Okay. Yeah. He's like, we got into an argument and I dropped her at this exit ramp. So he inadvertently led them to her body. Jeez. So they searched the area after he said, you know, we got into a fight. I left her here. I kicked her out of my car and I left her there. So he inadvertently led them to her body. Okay. Okay. So. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. All right. The two had met on MySpace on December 28th and they decided to go on a date the next day. Um, what had happened is they had argued in his car because. No, is this the story that he gave to police? Yes, this okay. is after they found her body, okay. and then they were, you know, this is the or is this like third this... interview they did with him? I think it was. Okay. Is this like um, the final story that they'll get, or is there other? Sorry, am I? Ju- I don't mean to jump ahead. He's Let's going to tell going. them this and then yeah. keep continually okay. tweaking it. So. This is the story, and then there's going to be some changes okay, okay. that he decides to make later when they start. I just wanted to find out trial. this was like the official timeline. For so the most part. Okay. Um, they had <laughs> decided to go on a date. They were headed back to his campus apartment because he was trying to get her to have sex with him. Okay, and she's like, you know what? This is our first date. I really don't want to do that. Good so they got you, into girl. an argument, and he kicked her out of the car. So she was standing in the middle of fucking December in Maryland on the highway oh off God. of an exit ramp. Yeah. Um, and then he told police that he actually decided that he was going to go back. And he went back to where he had left her. Because it was like a big steep embankment. You know when you go off of the on, like the on and off ramps? Yeah. They're usually up a hill or down a hill and there's big deep embankments. And this right. one was a big deep embankment that went into a forest. Um. So he went back, resumed the argument with her, and then pushed her down the embankment, pursued after, and beat her with a tree limb. What? And he told that to police. He told that to the police. Oh my god. And he said that he was promised he was promised sex at the beginning, and they had gotten in extremely intoxicated, and at the end of the night, she decided against it, and that's why he got into an argument and beat her to death with a tree limb. Oh. Oh, yeah. No, that's fine. That totally makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. Well, that's... (laughs) What the fuck? That's not all that happened to her. Oh, no. This is where the trigger warning happens. I am so sorry. If you don't want to listen to this... Skip ahead, like, five minutes. Skip. Skip. (laughs) So after he had beat her with a tree limb... He then proceeded to slice off all of her fingertips. He cut her jawbone and ripped her nose off to keep anyone from identifying her. Okay. Uh, So the medical examiner testified that while Brown was missing all of her fingertips on her left hand, she was only missing two on her right, so he didn't even, like, complete... That's actually... So I'm going to be honest, that is not where I thought you were going with that. Where did you think I was going? I thought you were... I I thought it was going to be some sort of, like, um... What do they call that? Um, Like, post-death sexual assault... You Wait, there's more. Oh, okay, never mind. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sorry. Done yet. I'm not done. I'm talking too, too quick. I'm not done yet. <laughs> okay. So, the medical examiner is like, he started to, like, take apart, you know, pieces of her so that she wouldn't be identifiable. 
Um, but then he also confessed to sexually assaulting her with the tree limb. <gasps> oh. However, the medical examiner said that she found no evidence of sexual assault with a tree limb whatsoever. Yeah, because that would so, leave evidence behind. Yes. Like, so what they presumed happened was that it was so dark that he was just, like, jabbing her with this branch after he had mutilated her and didn't even know that he wasn't even where he thought he was. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So he had the intention of assaulting her, but because he couldn't see, he didn't actually assault her. So he believes that he did. Yes. When he, but in, in reality did not. So I wonder if he was, like, adamant about that fact. Like, no, I fucking he, did that. He made a point to, in yeah. his confession, say that he assaulted her with the tree branch. I, I just uh, fucked. So, yeah. in addition to this videotaped confession that he did, they found evidence of um, Josie Brown's blood in the defendant's car. They found a piece of wood that they believed was what he used to beat her that was covered in blood near her body. But they also played a 42-second phone message recorded when Gomer's cell phone accidentally dialed Josie Brown's cell phone. Oh, no. In this 42-second phone message, you can hear... um, I'll try and find it to put it up if people do want to listen to it, or a link to it at least. Um, You can hear screaming arguing, a bunch of thumping noises, and then a burst of a woman's scream, like, terrified screaming, and then a muffled noise, and that's when it cuts out. Oh my god. So basically, they caught the entire beating and assault on tape. (sighs) Wow. When butt dialing does some good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and part Um, of me is like... I mean, so he, his phone called her phone. Called her phone. Can you imagine if it would have called somebody else in his, like, phone book? Oh my book, god. They, and you were the person that gets this, like, They probably would have caught him right away. Yeah. Instead of yeah. almost three months yeah, later. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, Oof. so, the defense attorneys were not arguing that he was, you know, not guilty. They were like, yeah, he definitely killed her. They argued, rather, that, um... The, the beating that he gave her did not constitute first-degree murder, and that the, me- the medical evidence that was collected from Brown's autopsy did not support what um, Gomer said had happened. Like, that he had sexually assaulted her, and that actually didn't even happen. Yeah. So they were saying that uh, what had happened really wasn't what they were charging him with, and that they needed to adjust what they were charging him with because he didn't assault her and he didn't, you know, yeah, beat her the way that they thought. Right. Um, but the prosecution argued that during this entire date and after the fact, he could have walked away. He had plenty of time to think about it. He had several instances throughout the entire night where he could have just walked away. So they argued that there was premeditation as well, because he had kicked her out of the car and then went back and yeah. killed her. Yeah. It's the act of going back. It's if the he act. He never would have went back. Well, and you see that with a lot of cases, done. I feel like, too. Like, when we talked about um, 
when we did our elderly murderers mm-hmm. and the woman shot in self-defense. Right. And then went back and shot, shot again like more four, times. Five, four yeah. or five more times. Like, I love the gun motion. Go- yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I'm making sorry. a point, but also gesticulating <laughs> the gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and in that case, it's like the act of going back mm-hmm. is like, okay, now this is no That's longer. That's where it switches from self-defense yeah. to premeditated murder. Right. Yeah. Which is exactly what happened in this case. The prosecution argued, like, you had an opportunity at the beginning of the night when you started drinking right. to end that date. You had an opportunity when you argued in the car to leave it there. You had an opportunity when you left her on the side of the road to not come back. Yeah. And even when you did come back, you had the opportunity to take her home, apologize, argue and walk away again. There were several opportunities for you to stop and not kill her. Yeah. And did they say, do you know, did they say the cause of death was, like, blunt force trauma? Yeah, it was blunt force trauma. Okay. Yeah. Um, Because that could get, this is why I find court proceedings so interesting, because that could get tricky, too. If she wasn't dead, mm -hmm. um, and instead died from, say, like, hypothermia. Well, he did slice into her, so she also could have bled to death. But But then um, is that, like, mutilation of a corpse? Did he do that before or after she was dead? She was already dead, so, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, there could have been, they could have tacked several things on there. Um, well, they, you know, they so were just tricky. trying to determine like premeditation, you right. know, but obviously yeah. it was premeditated because he went back. Premeditated enough. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing too, is like premeditation does not, it doesn't always mean like weeks or months. It could be five minutes before it can be a minute before and exactly. still be premeditated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the jury, uh, actually convicted Gomer of both first degree murder and first degree rape, which is basically like, um, so he he thought he was raping her, okay? He didn't actually rape her. So it's not attempted rape because he thought he was raping her. Yeah. So that's why they were able to give him first degree rape charges, which I thought was kind of amazing huh. that yeah. that actually went through. Um, because he admitted to raping her. He was like, yeah, I did it with its tree branch. Her DNA was on it. However, when they did the autopsy, there was no, you know, tearing or anything yeah. or a- any sort of physical evidence that he had deed yeah. raped her with So the they tree basically branch. charged him with that on his own confession. Yeah. Like they exactly. if he wouldn't have confessed to that, they probably wouldn't have any proof they that there was any sexual abuse. Yeah. Exactly. Um so he was eventually uh sentenced to um life in prison. They were, however, trying to get the death penalty because there is a statute under Maryland's death penalty that, like, if there's aggravating circumstances within a a case that you can seek death penalty, so the aggravating circumstances would be, like, the sexual assault in addition to the murder. Okay. Um, However, they could not, because of the fact that he didn't legitimately rape her, they couldn't get the death penalty. So they sentenced him to life in prison. Um, When I was looking this up... I found a, I'm going to put this up on our thing as well. There was a pen pals website mm-hmm. for prison mates and he was on it. That really? was the first thing that popped up when I put his name in Ooh. was a prison pen pal page. <sighs> so, I mean, this guy was described when I was reading articles. He was like a football star. He was like a fucking biochemist at this university. He was like a know-it-all piece of shit. If you look at him, he looks like he's some sort of like Rico Suave garbage person. But like, 
I just can't believe at like what point in a date is it like, you know what? She won't have sex with me, so I'm gonna fucking kill her. What? Yeah, well, and <laughs> the it murder makes... first. Not even didn't even like yeah. attempt to like take advantage of her. Just went straight to murder. Well, and doesn't it? It makes you kind of wonder too, like what is in his criminal history. If he had any criminal history before he, that, of he abuse, did not have any criminal history whatsoever. If he had done this before, and ever they don't know. exactly. Yeah, there could have been an assault. He could have assaulted another woman. I mean, he was like a jock football star, oh, God. and you heard a thousand stories before where. Many, many, many of those kinds of men get away with that because of what they're involved in. Yeah. So, I mean, who's to say that there was something that happened that wasn't ever reported? Yeah. Um, we don't know. I mean, I'll put up some... There's a couple articles. There's a lot of... Actually, a lot of articles about this. Um, and I'll try to find the prison pen pals page to put yeah. up, too. Um, even if you just want to write a letter to him and tell him he's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that nails. is the MySpace fucking killer. Damn. I know. And there are, I, we may come back to this topic at some point, because there's a lot, of, I mean, there's things like the Craigslist killer. Yeah. I know even These last. Were, yeah. Like, I looked into those stuff, those, that case too, and a lot mm-hmm. of other ones, and I just, I wanted to do yeah. something that was a little less well known. Yeah. And there was one too that I saw, um, that was. It was a Japanese guy that was the leader of like an internet death cult or like a suicide Ooh, cult kind of thing. That sounds yeah, and so <laughs> you know we might come back to this, but um, taking a look at internet crime um, is really important right now. I think oh, yeah. because There's one of the articles that I put on here for us to put up is the rise of social media killing. Yeah. It's like an entire new kind of genre of murder that's occurring that they are trying right. to figure out how they're going to get ahead of it. Because as we've mentioned before on this podcast, the Facebook yeah. live killing, yeah. um, that's kind of what kicked off this sort of investigation into how do we get ahead of this? How do yeah. we stop these types of murders from happening and spreading? Yeah. I mean, snuff now more than ever is becoming... Extremely easier, prevalent and easier, easier to, to get, access, yeah. easier to create. Well, and even like these instances of abuse that are being posted to like Facebook where people are just yeah. beating the shit out of somebody else. Or even animals. And, yeah. There's been a yeah, lot yeah. of that, which is, if you know anything about psychology as a precursor yeah. to, you know, being a psychopath. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's definitely like something that we have to acknowledge, I think, as a society to yeah. To be aware of, because it's... And they've already started putting in more laws in place for yeah. animal abuse to stop that sort of thing from developing into someone who becomes a murderer because mm-hmm. they know that there is a connection between those. Yeah. Internet just makes everything easier. And good, and, good and bad. <laughs> yeah. Easier and harder. <laughs> easier and harder. So stay off of Facebook. Don't talk to yeah, anyone. So basically, Don't leave your house. Disconnect. <laughs> yes. Disconnect Disconnecting from, is good. Yeah, except don't disconnect from this podcast. No, this isn't. No, this is this not a podcast count. app. It's not the internet. That doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> iTunes isn't the internet. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Apple is uh, all tone. <laughs> that was a good one. That was know, interesting. Yeah. Can you imagine? It's a good topic. Uh, yeah. No, that it is also helped me brew some more ideas for some more stuff. So it's brew, it's brewing it. <laughs> I had too much brew this. <laughs> That brew on the brain. <laughs> well, uh, I got another suggestion this week. Hell yeah. This one I think you'll 
You would love this oh, podcast. Yeah. It's, uh, so the name of it is called Trace. Okay. I finally hit this point where, like, a lot of the big name podcasts that everyone listens to, like, Up and Vanished yeah. and, um, to like, like my favorite for murder. You. Like, well, I'm just caught up. Like, I'm completely See, caught up. So I've done the opposite where I have, like, stopped listening to most of the mainstream ones, with the exception of yeah. Last Podcast on the Left, because they own my heart. Yeah. Um, and I started going for, like, that deep underground shit. Yeah. I'm like, what's that obscure podcast with five fucking episodes? Right. Let's listen. So, <laughs> now that I'm caught up, I'm trying to, like, seek out and search more podcasts and, um, get to these ones that I've had forever. So, Trace is actually one that I uh, found recently. Nice. Um, it is, uh, so, the premise is on June 19, in June 1980, in suburban Melbourne, Australia, okay. um, a mother of two, Maria James, is stabbed to death in the back of her bookshop, and the killer's never been found. Oh. If you liked The Keepers, you will love this. Nice. Because... Um, it's very much in that same vein where it's like, yes, there was this murder that happened in that book, in a bookshop, um, which is tragic, but there's so much more. There's this element with the Catholic church. There's, um, you know, different people in the community and just some really strange things going on. Um, there's not a, there's maybe like seven or eight. It's kind of a shorty. And then they update as they've had stuff happen within the case. Um, but really good. Definitely worth a listen. Um, like I said, it's that kind of same vein with the keepers. So I think you would really like it. Awesome. And I definitely encourage everybody to check it out. Plus awesome. they all have Australian accents. Uh, which I love. Australia. I love. Yeah. I, actually, <laughs> I love it. I have a fucking recommendation of my very own this week. Oh, oh so shit. I mean, Bring it to the table. I love true crime. Don't get me wrong, but I no. also listen to other types of podcasts. Oh, yeah. I do too. You were wondering. I do. I do listen to a lot of like, uh, you know, teen creeps. Like the, they do a lot of the you know, pulpy novel book stuff. Mm -hmm. And I listen to a lot of food related podcasts because yeah. I, I have a lot of comedy a and a lot of political. <laughs> oh, yes, when I need to take a break comedy, from the murder, I'm just like throwing something political. But I found this fun one called nineties TV hour. What? So they just go back and they talk about television shows and episodes from the nineties. And it's just like my childhood being relived and I added them on fucking Twitter, and they, like, shouted us out our podcast. And really? And like, we, she, this girl is, um, this woman is pregnant, and she's like, I'm just going to, you know, like, I'm getting ready to, like, have my child, and I'm going to be oh. super busy, but I am so psyched to listen to you guys in my downtime. And she, like, added us back and was, like, all excited and shouting us out, and I was like, oh, my God, and I love your podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's just, like, podcast love between us. <laughs> so what is it called? It's called? 90s TV Hour. Okay. And you can find them on Twitter at 90s TV hour, so 90s TV hour is okay. their Twitter handle. Yeah. And I wanted to also shout out Kelly Sue on Twitter, who graciously shared us on her Twitter. Ooh, so I'm going to try you. and like, get more involved with like people who just like share us yes. or suggest us or send us a message saying, like, thank you for adding me. I love your stuff. We love yeah. you too. We do. We and totally then do. Um, another fun one. I, I have this problem with, like, 
bath and beauty products that okay. I collect a lot of. We were just and talking about I know. that. <laughs> so I was like on Facebook and someone had posted some information about like where you can find horror themed <gasps> and like oh, spooky yes. weird yeah. stuff. So Laquita Bath and Body, check out their fucking Instagram, check out their Facebook. They have a Chucky bath bomb. That is fucking amazing. Yeah. They have a Fight Club bath bomb. The Fight Club one looks fucking cool. They have Goosebumps and a Magic Uh, School Bus bath bomb. Because I was just talking about, like, 90s and, like, books that I read and my TV shows. And then someone's like, check this shit out. Her fucking bath bombs are amazing. I was like, god damn it. So if you see any, like, spooky weird shit that you want us to check out, like, send it to us. Or if you have a story you want to share with us. Or another podcast you like that you want to share with us. Send it our way. BT Crimecast, Bad Taste Crimecast, our Gmail account, our Facebook. Just go for it. Uh, I can't Send wait. us all the things. I cannot wait to add 90s TV hour. It's going to be. I, I am like, I'm a 90s child. Oh, and like, do you even 90s know? TV was, <laughs> was my life. If you it go on still their, is my life. If you go on their Twitter, they also have like little, like little snapshots of like the stuff that they're talking about. And I'm just like, I remember that episode. Yeah. I'm like, oh my uh, God. I cannot <laughs> wait. I'm so excited. Right? Yes. <sighs> I love sharing so our great. favorite podcasts. I know. I, I do, too. One of these it's days... Pod love. Yes. <laughs> I know. I, I know I normally, like, share a ton of, like, true crime podcasts. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because I'm assuming if you listen to us, you'd want to listen to those. Yeah. Sometimes I'll try and slip in something a little different. Yeah. On so. our Twitter, I try to, like... Because I do, like, the podcasts of the week, and then we do mm-hmm. our ones on our episodes. Because I, I think it's important to, like, let people know that there's... So much content out there. Yeah. There's so there's a podcast literally for everyone. Yep. When someone says, oh, "I never listened to a podcast," what is that even? And it's like, girl, yeah, you just gotta find the ones you that have you to like. find the right one for you. There's yeah. music, there's movies, there's true crime, there's all kinds of stuff. Support these podcasts. Find the one you love. Share them with people because. Yeah. It's just, it's finding connections. Totally. Just connecting with people and just loving that stuff. Wow, that was... <laughs> I know, I got so, it's just like... I feel like I need to be playing, like, guitar music <laughs> in the background that's inspirational. Right, this is like a PBS, like, announcement. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my gosh. Well, you guys can hit us up on any of our social media. Uh, yeah. Facebook, Twitter at BT Crimecast, Instagram... BadTasteCrimeCast.com at Patreon. Gmail. Yeah. Don't forget to check it out. If you would like to donate to the podcast, you can find us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, it's BadTasteCrimeCast at gmail.com. Yeah. And all of that money goes towards supporting the show, hosting, mm-hmm. and various expenses. So we do appreciate those yes. that have uh, It helps donated, us yeah. really to get that interesting shit out there. Yeah. You know, go on trips, figure this stuff out, bring you Bring you in quality depth. content. In field content. Quality. <laughs> quality content. Mm-hmm. Yes. It'll just get better and better. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I'm not making that solid promise, oh. but like. I can only go up. This- <laughs> okay, that's my Chanel is boy. literally at an all time low right now, and it can only go up from here. I can get higher <laughs> and higher from here. <laughs> Our sound and editing is done by Tiff Weech. Our music is done by Jason Z, the Enigma. Burr, burr, burr. Wah, He's going to get the burr, burr, burr every time now. Yeah. I've, I've added the Enigma part that. on the end of yes. it just because it makes it more mysterious. Yes. It reminds me, did you ever watch uh, Mighty Boosh? Were you a oh, Mighty Boosh fan? Did I? they Greg had, Yeah. I'm all clever. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Well, they had, there so was a character crazy. on there called <laughs> Naboo the Enigma, and that's what it always makes me think of, so. 
Oh, I love the mighty yes. yes. Anyway, on that note, uh, we're gonna Amen. get out of here, I guess. That's it. All right. Letting it loose. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.